You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. And today we want to welcome a special guest back to the program, Jungle Jordan. Hey, welcome. Hi, guys. How are you all doing today? Uh, awesome. Like, awesome. It's Happy so great. now that you're here. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you guys for having me back. I love uh, listening to your guys' podcasts. And I, of course, I love talking to you guys. So this is great. Oh, it, it's awesome. And then, Angie, we got, I think we have another guest on today that wanted to tag along. It's the guy that's. I think responsible for why you're pregnant. Is it? I don't know. It is. My lovely husband, John Mio is here and he's here for multiple reasons. A number one, in case I go into labor, he can just take over for me and <laughs> it's my third kid. I'll just go in the back room. I'll go out in the shed like a horse. We'll just keep going. Fine. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but honestly, no, I'll, I'll jokes aside. He, when he heard that I was, we were talking to jungle Jordan tonight, uh, or actually last week, he had more questions and was more, not more excited than me. We were equally excited and he just had to be on the podcast. So he wanted to meet you. And I All said, right. well, maybe you, you know, maybe you can do something afterwards. But then I decided, uh, John brings a great perspective uh, since he works as uh, director of a teaching zoo for uh, for an AZA accredited zoo, and he has zookeepers in his program training young zookeepers. And I basically wanted to set you guys up on a blind date. So here you are for everyone <laughs> to <laughs> to get to know you guys. And uh, yeah, I figured the more the more uh, the more cooks in the kitchen, uh, the more fun we have. Yeah. So, John, what do you like to do on your off days? <laughs> uh, I play uh, right now. I play man-to-man defense with my kids, but <laughs> soon to be zone defense. Uh, yeah, uh, it's all Star Wars all the time on my off days. That's that's there what I go. do. Yeah. yeah. Now, I I really want I Angie's right. I mean, I um, big fan of Jungle Jordans. Um, listening and watching your stuff for a while, and again, it's it's really great to see the career of zookeeper the, the focus you put on the actual career of zookeeper what it means and you bring a lot of integrity to the career and you just and, and a lot of fun and so i really love your stuff so yeah i i'm, I'm a fan and i wanted to meet you and this is, this is my this is my 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 one uh, uh benefit of of angie doing a podcast is i get to meet cool people like you otherwise it just kicked out of, get kicked out of the bedroom so for like you know three or four hours while she records so i might as well, uh, well, well, well it might as well be a benefit yeah thank you i'm getting all red over here i'm getting all hot and flushed <laughs> thank you guys you had but, no idea what was going to happen when she became a celebrity. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't say that. I'm definitely not a celebrity. Um, I just try to be a spokesperson for for zookeepers because I, I, I really didn't see that, you know, growing up. That's I, I really want people to understand what we do as, as zookeepers, which is why I put a big emphasis on that. You know, and, you know, I love telling people about animals. It's my favorite thing to do. But I try to do it from a zookeeper's perspective. Right, right. And I think it's a it's a good point to to jump in like exactly if you can reintroduce yourself to the listeners that might not have listened to oh, that. Yeah. That was like 70 80 episodes ago, but Jeez. you know, definitely they want to go back and listen to it. It was amazing and your growth just since then like uh, you know, you yeah. 
you had like a, I don't know, you had over 10,000 followers on Instagram, but I think now you're close to 30,000, you know, yeah. YouTube. So honestly, yeah. I don't think I had 10,000 yet. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I think I may have at that time, I think I only had five or 6,000. Yeah. yeah. And it's, things are definitely progressing. Um, people are recognizing seeing my videos more, more in a way. And I guess we'll talk about that later, but um, so my page jungle Jordan is all about animals and conservation and zookeeping. So I just put a big emphasis on how important zoos are to conservation zoos, aquariums, safaris, safari parks, all these, all these different places, how important they are to the, to the conservational efforts around the world. And I put more of an emphasis on what zookeepers contributing to their animals at those places and how you know the, the the impact that we are having on social media as zookeepers having on social media especially with the pandemic you know and all that stuff that just happened um well it's still happening yeah excuse me <laughs> <laughs> but i've been i've noticed a, a huge um push with zoos allowing their keepers to submit footage for posting. That is a huge, huge change that I've noticed. Whereas some zoos did it, like some zoos were like pioneers with that, like Cincinnati, or I don't know, there's a few other zoos, um, like all of like even Dallas Zoo, places like that would have their keepers submit footage. But, you know, now I see it's more frequent with a lot of zoos across, across the board. You know, like with me at the current zoo that I'm at now, I'm actually um, in charge of our social media um, and marketing. So I put, I kind of do it too much sometimes. I, so there's they, no such a, thing. Well, listen, listen. So even if it's a video they give to me, I always like to say where it came from. Mm -hmm. Like I'll put the credits, I'll say with a little photo emoji, keeper, whoever, right? I do that a lot and I I know a lot of people a lot of zoos will get footage from their keepers and won't credit them but I, that's what I think I, I know they the, the keepers like their credit but I, and I know they won't be upset if I don't credit them every single time because I definitely know I go overboard <laughs> Look, this keeper 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 I have to make sure everyone knows <laughs> yeah. this is who it came from it wasn't me it yeah. wasn't me you know, and, and that's, I feel like that's the only way you can tell if I took a picture is if there's no name under it. Yeah. <laughs> I won't post my name. I won't because it's my job. Right. 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 But that's, there's two interesting things you're doing there. Yes. You're giving credit to keepers, which doesn't always happen, but just the keepers being allowed, like you said, being allowed to use their stuff behind mm -hmm. the scenes. I mean, yeah. for a long time, it was complete taboo no behind the scenes don't show anything that's going on we don't could, show yeah. real life we couldn't even say what the names mm -hmm. of the animals were right yes right. yes remember those huge, days huge, yeah huge, it was huge deal you know i wanted to actually say to say to that zoos have definitely gone into transitions over i would say that you know over multiple different de the different decades here and i've actually seen that because i've been in the kind of in the world since i was 11 years old when i, when I started volunteering you know which is a whole story I might have told it in the podcast before. We can probably bring that up if you guys want to listen to it. But like I've seen, they've changed. So it was by entertainment. And then mm -hmm. it went to 
seeing behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And then it went to away from that. And, you know, and then it went to like, you know, more show type, you know, in front of house. And now we're starting to get back behind the scenes again. Mm-hmm. And and like all the naming contests of animals, people mm-hmm. want to know the names of the animals. People want to feel like they have that that ability. Hey, I have a connection with the animal because I got to help name it. There was mm-hmm. a naming contest and I am responsible for putting that name in there. Mm-hmm. And the the when people learn an animal's name, that builds more empathy for the species because they they develop a bond a virtual bond with this animal that they'll never actually meet up close most likely not but they're there the animals behind the glass or in the exhibit or wherever they are and they know that animal's name is steve you know Mm -hmm. uh rest in peace steve was a bear um Hmm. he passed away one of the bears (laughs) i used to work with anyways Mm -hmm. Uh, it sucks. Um, but yeah, like, you know, cause that's, that's what happens. People learn, people learn these animals names and they, this bear, for instance, was a staple in the community of the old zoo I used to work at. And I have been visiting this bear. I have a picture of me and me and these, these two bears, uh, in the background from when I was five years old. And as an adult, I got to go there and work with those two bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a huge, so cool. huge deal. And people grow up with these animals in, you know, like in their lives, in their generation. So mm-hmm. the fact that they know their name is very important. So they can feel that bond and want to continue to support the species. And, and just to jump in too, I think, you know, I, I wasn't a zookeeper. You three were, or are, you know, and then John, you know, runs the, the teaching zoo. But, you know, obviously been around zoos a long time. My ex, uh, zookeeper, followed her around for a few years, uh, been exposed a lot to it. I think the important thing, too, is you're saying with names is it gives you guys love your animals. That's the thing. Zookeepers, it's not an animal, you know, that's, oh, it's just, it's just a bear. It's a dumb bear. Like, I heard the empathy and compassion in your voice when you're like, man, that's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Steve the bear. They're like your children. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. you guys can talk about that because I think from somebody that hasn't been in the industry, doesn't see behind the scenes, but now like, you know, thankfully we're starting to see that you love your animals. Like you love them. They are your babies. You don't, you don't go in and hug Steve the bear, but you take care of Steve the bear from a distance, yeah. right? You know, shifting yeah. them and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's like fa- it, family or close friends or, it is they you are connected to them. You have a connection to the animals that you work with because you have to. And if you don't, then you're in the wrong career. But the really interesting thing is, <clears throat> is and jo- Jordan pointed out, when you when the guests know the animals' names, they connect to those animals. And that's what you need to happen. You yeah. have to have guests connect to your animals. And my point always to the zookeeper is that that's actually your job. Your most important job, you care for the animals, but your job is to be that connection between the animal and the, the guest because the guest can't have that connection, right? The guest is separated by a barrier or something. So the, the guest cannot inherently connect to that animal, but the zookeeper can be that bridge. 
the zookeeper can deliver the name and deliver the cool, fun story and, and deliver the, the emotion. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know what I've noticed about that? You know, it's pretty funny you mention that because I know a lot of zookeepers really hate giving keeper talks, keeper chats, the public, like the, the to the big crowds. But besides that, they will love to go out and have one-on-one conversations about that animal with random strangers. They will, they're fine with doing that, but they are not wanting to get up on stage with a microphone, you know. And I think with me, where where I have learned I do pretty well at is is doing those talks. I really love more people the merrier. <laughs> like that's just something I've learned that I've I've yeah. gotten better at. And I I gain energy from being around people, a lot of people, and it helps me. It drives me to make sure I can educate each and every person sitting and listening to me you know there's no stupid questions there there are no silly comments there's a couple but I'm, <laughs> i make them fun <laughs> I like to, I, you have to I, you know like i i make it i like to make it fun i like to have fun with the people with me like i i make it um i make these talks more engaging because i i, I bring them in on the talk I don't just talk at them for hours and hours. I like to ask them questions and get them thinking and ask kids, you know, questions because they know more than the adults. They always do every single time. And it's amazing how much this little six-year-old will know. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, just a bunch of the stuff you said there is just, it's, it's great. And it's the zookeepers who don't like to, to speak to guests or crowds, but like to connect to individuals because most of the zookeepers, I don't know if this is your experience, most of the zookeepers we see, they came into the field not to work with people because they, they, they want to work with animals. They want to work with animals. <laughs> Who exactly. wants to work with people in any Who job, wants to work right? with people? But you, <laughs> you, but you can't not work with people. It's a people job. You think I'm working yeah. with animals and you are, but it is about the people. It's about your team members. It's about your bosses and everybody has them. And it's about the guests that come there. And if you're not educating the guests about your animal, then you're not doing your job. But like you, know, everyone, like you said. Yeah. Everyone has bad days, you know, everyone has bad days and, and me included, you know, there are definitely days that I just want to walk through the zoo, you know, and I don't really feel like talking to anybody. But the thing with me is I have this drive that kind of like pushes me no matter what. It's more of like a, I would say it's my uh, OCD coming out, which I, I actually was diagnosed with OCD and ADHD, just so you guys can know, um, ever since I was a kid, but if I walk by and overhear someone saying an incorrect fact about an animal, it is something <laughs> that I, I, there's something digging into me, into my soul. I love it. I have yes. to stop. Yes. I have to. And I'm like, and then my wife always makes fun of me for this. Ever since I was little, I, I don't know why I always say, well, actually, <laughs> that's my, <laughs> I'm going to correct you phrase right now. Actually, and my family always makes fun of me for doing it. My grandma, my grandma used to always, uh, always tells the story about me because she's getting a little bit of dementia, unfortunately, right now. So she always keeps bringing it up. But she always talks about how me as a five-year-old would walk around the zoo with her. And I would stop and talk to literally everybody. If we were staring at the hippos, giraffes, whatever, I would tell strangers 
random facts about this animal. And I'm sure I was annoying to a lot of people, but people, she said, my grandma said people would still would sit there and listen and surprise. And I think, I don't know, I guess, I guess I've had this, this drive to tell people animal facts. So I think that's why I'm on social media. No. So well, I can tell a, you what's I, really going on. Well, yeah, but it's a great place for you to be. It's taking your superpower that you have had since you've been like five years old of the well, actually, and <laughs> now using it for good for animals and for conservation and for education. And for me, when I, I I'm an extrovert, so talking is why, I mean, when Chris approached me about doing a podcast, I was like animals and talking, that, that's my two, those are my jams right there. Yeah. That's not a problem. I excel in those. And I could talk to a wall. And so, but I might, I would love way rather talk to people about animals. And when I was a zookeeper doing educational, t- either behind the scenes tours or just in front programming, I always thought in the back of my head, any one of these kids or even adult out there in the audience, you never know who's going to be the next Jane Goodall. You never know which kid, regardless of their background or anything that you do or don't know, or you see or don't see your words can inspire that one person. And if you get even one of those in your lifetime or uh, anybody like similar to that, then you've done your job. And, and I know that all of us sitting here uh, on the computer screen right now, we all have those mentors and those people that had said something that really rang true to us, which helped us follow our passions and our careers and be where we are today. Uh, so but it is a hard skill set if you if you're not naturally talkative like myself or funny like you, Jordan. You know, <laughs> you. Us, us middle children. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> then it can be a harder skill set, and and um, unfortunately, I don't really know many industries where if you do have to do any education or guest speaking, I don't know if they teach you those skill sets, right? Because it is a no matter how much of a talkative person you are, there's a little bit there's some training that's lacking, and so. I mean, me being as outgoing as I am, Chris can vouch for this. The first couple of times I had to do um, a lecture on some of my research in grad school, it was like crash and burn, baby. It was horrible <laughs> because just because I had the talking skill set and a little bit of whatever that is, I was still nervous. I lacked confidence, mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. things at the age of 30 that regardless of my training, nobody had taught me. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Chris and my, some of my mentors at the university, we, we really worked on it and it got it got better. And now I do a podcast, so it's much better. <laughs> but I One think that that's, that's hard in the zoo industry. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, John or Jordan, you can touch on that because training, I think, is self-confidence can be lacking. And it's not a bad thing. It's just even the most confident person. It's hard to get in front of a room of 100 people. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you know, you know that. Right. And let me take it like you'd be take a different take because. I'm the oddball out here. We've got I've got three extroverts and one introvert, right? <laughs> so so I'm an introvert and um and and I John I will be a, very tired after this interview. I'm going to be exhausted. <laughs> I'll be up partying and my pregnant you're belly, like, you're like my like wife. dancing. No, my wife. These kind of engagements drain her. Drain me. Like mm-hmm. like it's very draining. Like it takes all of her energy store that she had stored up for that day to do something like this. And exactly. Then and when she's done. And, Done. And and it's funny because that's, that is, uh, and it only, it was a few years ago that I actually learned this, that that is actually what introversion and extroversion is about is where you get your energy. I was just like everybody else. I thought introvert, 
you know, doesn't like people. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of me, but I do like people, but it's, it's about the energy. And, and again, Angie and I are ex exactly opposite like that, where again, this will drain me, but I can do it. I, I, as an undergrad, I had to give my thesis and my biology thesis. And I almost, I swear, I almost didn't get my biology degree because I was so afraid of giving my undergraduate thesis to a room of my professors and peers that I almost didn't do it. And I almost opted out, which is ridiculous if you think about that. Yeah. And, you know, over and over again, the polls are right. Public speaking, people would rather die than speak in public kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, that was basically me too. And then I finally learned, I got into zookeeping, I got into the zoo field and I learned how amazing these animals were and how important it was for me to tell their stories and tell, give their messages so they could thrive and survive and be saved. And that's what inspired me to basically come out of my shell in order to, to do, and to do this for the public again with my friends and, and family, obviously like I'm, I'm loud and obnoxious and funny and all that stuff. But with the public, I just couldn't do it until I got to this field and I realized this was basically required of me in this field. And now my job is to speak in public. I'm the director of a zoo. I do PR. I do live interviews all the time. I speak to rooms and students and everybody because it's required of me, of my job. I can do it. I just, it does drain me at the end of the day, but it's my job. I actually have a question for you on uh, in that regards at the Santa Fe Teaching Zoo. Do you guys have a class or a course where you guys train PR skills? Ooh, that's good. Um, so, sort of, just barely. Not not dedicated. Our our curriculum is so packed full, we can't do it. Mm -hmm. But. Um, we do public speaking, we do guest interaction and we do delivery of messaging and messaging to different age groups. And we have a whole curriculum related to education and, and conservation education, but there is not specifically a PR component. I'm actually, I actually just started talking to my, um, one of my curators about this, that, uh, we, we get a lot of PR requests from actual other students because at university of Florida, there is the uh, school of journalism and mm. they'll give us PR requests. And really the PR requests are for their own classes. And, and I like to support student learning in all forms and ways and shapes. Mm -hmm. But the reality of that is that we could actually have our students answer their students and they both learn and get something out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this is the kind of partnerships that we all need to create wherever we can is how do we teach the next generation by creating some partnerships? So, um, the PR component is crucial though. And I will tell you, I had PR training at, I don't know if I'm allowed to say zoos or that I've worked in or not, but when I was at Bush Gardens and I had PR training and it was horrifically, terrifyingly, amazingly good because mm -hmm. they taught you how to speak to a camera. They videotaped you and interviewed you and then gave you the videotape that you had to watch again. And it was horrific. Oh, that's horrible. You know, that's my horrible. worst nightmare. But it was so valuable to the point where um, we had our first hippopotamus born at Bush Gardens. I I was an inexperienced keeper at the time, but I work with hippos. I happened to be there as the keeper. They're like, well, here it is. It's being born. We need to interview a keeper. John, go. And it's me. It's me doing an interview about a baby hippo that's born. I've got like less than two years of zookeeping experience. And 
for years afterwards, when they would had babies born, they would use that same clip of me and that same interview of me interviewing about baby hippos being born. <laughs> I have keepers coming to me in my program, like, oh, I saw you on TV talking about the baby hippo that's been born. There, I was like, fantastic. <laughs> I haven't been at that zoo for. 12 years. I need a 19 I've never, seen, interview, I've right? never seen this. I need yeah. that for 85. Yeah. 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 Oh my, <laughs> so our anniversary I, is in a couple weeks, honey. That I want I need that footage. Right. <laughs> That'll and, be my and, gift. And, and, and it's it's not bad. I mean, it's not bad. They edited it pretty well. It was an internal shot, so it wasn't as it wasn't as like live media uh, TV show, but it was still yeah. really intimidating. To you know, and I wanted to, to to add to that real quick about the fact that you, you know, were two years in to your zookeeping experience, you know, two years of you zookeeping is miles more than what regular visitors and guests would have. So you in their eyes are still the expert. Mm -hmm. So whatever comes out of your mouth is most likely going to be a lot more than what these people probably could, could say on their own. Most likely like Mm -hmm. you are seen as the expert. And yeah. I, you know, that's, that's the, that's the issue I feel like with, um, a lot of younger zookeepers, you know, yes, they could use more time and more training, but they undervalue that they undervalue themselves <clears throat> and how important they actually are. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, we are all animal care professionals and we are all considered experts in our fields because we p- put hours and hours into, you know, you know, talking about these animals, thinking about these animals, uh, taking care of these animals. So that's a big, huge part that I know a lot of the young keepers should re- try to remember that they are just as important as the people that have been there for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's an excellent point and it really is. Um, and every time we talk about, we talk about our students all the time, of course, we're training them, we're, we're developing curriculum. We are trying to, uh, figure out how to connect to them and we are there's a constant discussion about you know the the generation and every every meeting i'm in every discussion with colleagues you know it sort of happens like the generation kind of thing Mm -hmm. it's like every generation has its own thing it has its own personality but they have their own traits and skills that they bring and this generation is extremely savvy. They, mm-hmm. you know, technologically savvy, informationally savvy. And there was a lot that they bring. And like you said, everybody should be supported and valued for the experience that they bring and the experiences that they get, you know? And so it is important to support this generation and what they know and what they can bring in the experiences that they have. And then if we meld that with, people that have been around for a while and have a different experience. I mean, we can do some amazing things for animal conservation and amazing things for, for zoos and aquariums and amazing thing ultimately for the animals and for the planet around us. If we're all working together, we're all bringing our different skills. So I absolutely agree that everybody should be valued for the experience that they bring. Again, some of these students that come into this, I don't teach as much anymore. I'm running the program, but when I was teaching, I'd have these kids come in that were herpers like you wouldn't believe. So herps, um, you know, uh, 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 they were just incredibly knowledgeable about snakes and frogs and amphibians and blew me out of the water, literally to the point where when I would be discussing reproduction or nutrition, 
when it came to the herp section, I would just divert it to these students. Like, <laughs> yeah. seriously, yeah. Like, you're, you are the expert on this and can do a much better job on this than I can. So why don't you take the snake section? Because again, I can't possibly learn what they have learned in, in their time of doing things and handling animals and handling snakes. And, you know, there's just a lot of information that's gained from actually doing it hands-on. So yeah, as soon as we all realize that, that we all have a lot to give, then, you know, we can go far. We could be really, well, really And it's successful. interesting, Don, let's see talk, you know, like talking about the next generation and, and how Jordan engages in social media. We know how social media in the last few years has completely altered world history. Jordan, you, so I guess for some of our listeners, you talk about some of the things you do each week. I mean, social media, thousands and th tens of thousands of followers, you know, what's your goal and, and how do you produce so much content in your quote unquote free time, which as a yeah, right. we know, <laughs> you got to get home. You're exhausted. That is exhausting work day in, day out. Yeah, it's, that's funny. I actually just had a little small talk. Well, it wasn't really a small talk. It was for a conference earlier today about that. It was the uh, ISEA conference in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and my talk was on zookeepers and how we're changing the, the face of conservation and the future of conservation. And social media was a big aspect of that. And with, with me, I couldn't tell you, they asked me the same question. I couldn't tell you how I keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> like, so my, it's weird. I, <clears throat> in my head, I feel as though people are relying on it. Um, like people are expecting it and people, cause I've, I've basically planned a schedule of like posting, mm -hmm. you know, so people are expecting certain posts, which is how I think that's a good uh, social media strategy to have daily routines so people can get used to it and come back. Like I have wild Wednesday where I post a zoomed in photo of an animal. People have I'm about 50, 50 on those for the record. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Those are really tough. I, I'm actually tell you this. Let me tell you this. People are extremely impressive with the animals that they know by the small smidgen of a blurry photo that I post. I don't understand how they do it. I yeah, don't yeah. get it. There's a lot of intelligent people that are following me. It's very impressive. Um, <laughs> I, I am not one of those, but I'm working well, well, I, I'm having, I'm, it's all about having goals. Right. Right. So with, with that though, I, my goal has always been to just reach. I want to see change. Mm -hmm. I want to see Chris. I want to see a difference in animal care and just the care of animals all over the world, not just in zoos and facilities. I want people to actually care mm -hmm. about wildlife. I know they do, but I don't, they don't speak on it. They say, Oh, that's a cute animal. And they scroll past the video, mm -hmm. but they're not engaging and thinking about how what's going on with that species. Mm -hmm. So that's what I try to do with my posts. And I get on that routine. And like you said, free time, I work my full-time job. Yeah. And Jungle Jordan is basically a full-time job in itself. And I think because I'm so passionate about it, I don't burn out, but I am definitely exhausted and I'm tired. Yeah, I bet. But <laughs> I like, I love it so much. I won't stop. I can't stop. Yeah. So that's why I do what I do because I feel like it's making a change and I've been seeing it 
I've been seeing that the numbers have been going up and I'm like, hey, I'm, I think I might be reaching more people finally. Like, okay, good. Let me just keep, let me just, I don't change what I'm doing. <laughs> it's the same people in my head. Well, and, and that leads me to ask, are you finding that people interacting with you or sending you emails or messages asking about how do I become a zookeeper or what have oh, you learned sorry. or what are your thoughts on this? Does that help keep you energized and propel your mission forward? I believe so, because I know that means people are still engaged. Um, I think with those emails, though, like the the <laughs> me and uh, zoology, Rick, Rick Schwartz have had this thing going. He, a couple of years ago, he made a video about how to become a zookeeper. Mm-hmm. And people have been asking me to make a video about it as well. Like Rick is like, hey, Jordan, it's your time. You know, they're they're they're, they're calling for it. It's. You know, my video's old. You got to make it again. <laughs> I was like, yeah. all right, mm-hmm. I'll do it. But I've been postponing this video for like three years. And people, more and more and more people are inboxing me. And most of them I will respond to, which I don't know why I'm killing myself. And I do that. And I respond to every single person that almost that asked me that question. And I try to see their unique, uh, their unique um, circumstances and Hey, I'm in Texas. What do you know about Texas? Oh, well, maybe you can volunteer here. You know, like I'll think about certain things, but I can't keep doing that. And I'm definitely burning out from that, to be honest. I am trying. I care. I think that's why I'm burning out because I care so much. <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. like, uh, so I think I got to make that video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to get on that video so I can just, hey, here's a link. Go watch it. <laughs> I, I endorse you making that video. Again, I because... That's what we need in this field is we need more passionate individuals in this field. And I'm not saying we need more uh, because this is the strange thing. It's, it's not like there's a lack of zookeepers, right? So for every right. job, there are lots of zookeepers who apply, people who want to be zookeepers who apply. But we do need people who um, have a real understanding of what it takes to do this field. I mean... Anybody who's passionate about animals, I want to embrace those people and I want to I want to get them involved. And again, I know that's what Angie and Chris are doing every week and they want people to get involved with animals and conservation. And my message sometimes is I want you involved somehow in animals and conservation, but sometimes it's not always to be a zookeeper because mm. as we know, it's a very unique field and a very unique skill set that we have to do as zookeepers. So but I want you to make that video because again, you're a trusted source of information and you. you are a trusted person. So you need to give them the information to help them be successful. And I appreciate your say, you're telling me, you know, I, I inboxed everybody back and that's incredible and that's great. And that's what you should do. But you do also eventually have to look at your time. The greatest resource, the greatest resource time. is not, it's not money, it's time. Time. And you only have so much time. So how are you going to use it effectively to impact, to make the biggest impact as possible? And you know, <clears throat> sorry, sorry to add. I wanted to add to that actually about, um, you know, about what you said is, you know, seeing people seeing me now as a resource, um, you know, and I know as a lot of zookeepers trust, might trust way, it, trust trusted resource. Thank you. I said a lot of people might might you know feel the same way that I am what I'm about to just what I'm about to say. I definitely have imposter syndrome a lot. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it hurts me. I feel as though, wow, people can't actually believe like people. I can't actually think that, you know, I am the answer, you know, like I, I have all the answers cause I don't, you know, and I, I feel as though there's so many smart professional animal professionals out here, like way smarter than me. You know, I, I, and that's, that's how I feel in my head that I think that's, I, I second guess every post I put up. I second guessed, second guess every video. I second guess every podcast. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, am I saying this right? Am I, do they like me? You know, in, in my head that I worry about that. And I think that's what drives me <clears throat> to try to be better. Cause I think that, man, I, I, I'm not doing it. And Rick has always, Rick Swartz. I always bring up Rick Swartz cause he's always been a big, a huge mentor for me. Huge, huge, huge. He basically helped me in this world, mm-hmm. but he he was all he would always tell me Jordan stop the self talk you know because I would mm-hmm. always down myself mm-hmm. I would always downgrade myself horribly in my you know like my own knowledge and my own abilities and and I know a lot of people out there are feeling the same way and people people have asked me Jordan do you feel depressed do you get anxiety I I wouldn't say I get depressed um, but I do feel people ask me if I if I feel pressured to make my posts. And I can answer this. Sometimes I do, but a lot of times I don't because <laughs> actually, let me, let me bring that back a little bit because my wife is, I'm always sitting at the couch. I go, Jacqueline, I haven't posted yet. Hold on. I got to post something real quick. I got to post. I got to post. So I'll be right with you. I just one more minute. That's me being pressured. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I definitely feel as though, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm being I'm being relied on, like kind of like you said. And I just want people to know that I no one's perfect. And I am not some social media guru. I just, you know, have found a couple things that have worked for me, because just because I, I might be able to tell you a, a, something that I do that works for me, that will, it might not work for you. So that was a long I, tangent, but no, it's it. It's an important tangent. Imposter syndrome is real, uh, regardless of your background or your education. Uh, as a as a graduate student, I walked into that building every day for seven years. Maybe not every day, but a lot for seven years. <laughs> every day, like, and I was I was yeah, a student for a, a long time. Once a month. Yeah, you didn't go every day. What are you talking about? <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I had a lot of kids during this, but it, and this is probably why I had imposter syndrome because I had kids. I was a grad student. Uh, I was an older mature student. I was a woman in a predominantly male dominated field. Uh, and so every time I walked in there, I felt like I didn't belong. I wasn't smart enough, whatever talk I went to, whatever talk I gave. And it's hard. And I think you just have to, I just had to, for me, I just had to keep doing it. And of course I have good mentors, Chris and others on the team that helped, helped work with me. And then honestly, even after you get a PhD and you're the expert in phytoestrogens or whatever it is, I still feel like I don't know anything. And I, and, and that's just part of the head game right. and it's just getting out of the head game and being like, okay, I know more. And honestly, the best thing for me to help really with my imposter syndrome is just practice, practice, practice. 
So now I teach, I teach animal behavior. I teach a lot of horse physiology, anatomy classes, things like that. A lot of science classes. And the more I do it on a daily basis or weekly basis, whatever it is, the better it helps me get more comfortable in my own skin. And, mm. and then I, I make mistakes all the time and the kids correct me and I laugh and I'm like, Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Google, I'm like, Google it mm. because it's, and, and, you know, I just infuse a little personality. There was a Led Zeppelin quote. I think it was either Robert Plant or Jimmy Page said, when I hit a wrong note, I hit it three times harder. I like actually accent it like, hey, oops, I'm not perfect. And I and and then Chris was, of course, really helpful for me on the podcast. And, I, and you've probably had this, Jordan, with your podcast is that the more I do it and realize that I am going to say things wrong. I'm horrible pronouncing things. John always teases me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I've been reviewed by other prof- professors at the college and they're like, you're an amazing teacher. You just got to learn how to pronounce things better. <laughs> so, but, and, and people write in to Chris and I and say like, you know, you got this wrong or you got that wrong. And, and I, I take the dings, I roll with the punches and Chris has been such a great mentor for that of like, Angie, if you're pleasing everybody all the time, we're not doing, we're not doing a good enough job. Mm-hmm. You know what I learned about that? That's that's pretty funny. And that's I mean, I think that's what I've learned with my social media. I I'm not saying to stop caring, but I I care. But when I post, I'm not caring immediately about what people think I'm putting. I'm being myself. I'm putting myself out there. And something I've noticed about actually with social media is uh, everyone is an expert on Twitter. Um, everyone that has a Twitter is an expert. Just That's wanted gross. to put that out there. Yes. I don't use Twitter often. I don't no. because I haven't had, luckily I don't get negative comments. My page is very friendly. I don't know if you yes. guys have noticed that people will have yes. like people, at least the commenters and the, the engagers there. Mm-hmm. It's a very friendly group of people. Um, but Twitter I, I, that's where I'm connected. Since I don't have very many followers over there. And so I'm, you know, there's a lot of, scientists that I follow and that follow me on there. And so the people that are following, like, you know, watching my, I don't know, um, wild Wednesdays are like experts in something. And it's always funny to not funny. This is mean, but it's always interesting to see them get stuff wrong. Cause there are these geniuses. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I got you. <laughs> you didn't know what a quoka was. Mm. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. But yeah. but it is nice because every now and then those guys, the, like if you talk about an animal, like let's say I, I posted some kind of langur, a species of a species of uh, langur, um, the primatologists and the you know the, the monkey people and the ape people are geniuses in that realm, and they will add all their smart little comments. They're their genius comments. And I'm just like, I didn't know that word. Thank you for right. telling me. Yeah. Yes. You know, I'm like, but I like, I like their add-ons because that's why I do wild Wednesday. I pick animals. I don't know very well. So I can right. learn more about it. When I go live, I can talk to people mm. about it with me. Like, like while I'm researching say, Hey, Oh, that's cool. This animal does this. And I'm, I'm trying to showcase that a little bit of clicking will get you to the right sources. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, exactly. I'm not looking at like, you know, Wikipedia, but Wikipedia can help sometimes. But no, I'm not looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> I love Wikipedia. It's a good starting. It's a good starting point. It's a good starting yes. point. 
Some yeah, of my a lot students of them will link told me to, they will link to the papers. Yes, look, you know, what source to there? Yes, well, and some of my students in my science classes are like, "You're the first professor that's ever told us to like use Wikipedia." I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! I'm not saying use it as a reference. <laughs> I'm saying it's for scientific topics because a lot there's a lot of animal nerds out there yeah. and scientists that like have to have facts right." Jordan, mm-hmm. you're one, you can't stand yeah. a wrong fact about I animal. You know. <laughs> So there's a that's a great starting point, and then from there you can go to more of the peer-reviewed papers and articles and do a little bit more digger deeping. But yes, no, it's all it's it's definitely a great resource that I didn't have growing up. So I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah, well, this conversation is like fascinating because it's really gravitated kind of away from what we did initially. <laughs> No, but it's fascinating because I mean, what we were talking about yeah, <laughs> we're right. talk about COVID and like how COVID. Right. That's, yeah, I think, oh, I, I think that's I'm boring. in labor. That's we'll boring. just toss that out the window. That's, I mean, <laughs> this idea of zookeeping and the yeah. zookeeping field and, and the well, animal care field. I mean, yeah, we can talk about zookeeping and COVID, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, zookeepers are some of the essential workers. Yeah. Um, I know my friends in Chicago are now getting vaccinated because they have been recognized as essential care workers mm-hmm. due to this during this pandemic and they're getting pushed ahead in the vaccine line which is phenomenal uh and i just want to applaud them through all of this because so many different zoos have handled it so differently and a lot of them have had hardships i've had a lot of colleagues that have actually unfortunately lost, lost their job. jobs yeah. during this I pandemic mean, so i just I mean, I, zoos can't sorry zoos can't just turn off their lights and and yeah. and walk out and like you know go home like and have this have the business be shut down for months like it's just not how it works because animals is live beings that need care that need food that need round the clock you know time and you know that's that's a lot of things that um people didn't really realize with uh quarantine um <clears throat> with the quarantine time and you know a lot of zoos still had to maintain a presence with their with their visitors and their guests mm-hmm. and their their loyal fan base right so that's where the social media comes in yeah. that's where the live streams come in that's where hey marketing teams who post the videos are at home yeah who's getting the content mm-hmm. yeah zookeepers yeah the keepers yeah. so there you go and that's that's i don't know if i said this already I, i'm repeating myself but Zookeepers were definitely a main pull in social media and and keeping guests connected with the zoos and uh, you know showing a new view of the yeah. zoo, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is probably it's important invaluable. during the pandemic, right? I mean, during the pandemic, that was important to stay connected. Yes, with visitors because I mean, you, you. I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends where you were in the world. I was in the UK. Now I'm in New Zealand. Luckily, New Zealand, you know, the zoo's wide open. You know, we went this weekend. But in the UK, the zoos were closed. You know, we couldn't go uh, to Chester mm-hmm. Zoo and some of these others. So, you know, is that, I mean, from from John, I guess, perspective and Jordan's perspective, were your zoos open during COVID some point or closed, open, closed? Because I know like LA Zoo, I, I follow a lot. Oh, LA Zoo was having some trouble there. I think they're finally opening back up. Did yeah. they just open up recently? Yeah, I think so. Like within the week. Good. But yeah, they've been yeah, open. They've been they open. I think they were open for a little bit, and then they closed again. They closed. Yeah, it's just been a nightmare. Yeah, um, our zoo, uh, we were closed. Let's see. We didn't, We it took us a little bit longer to close. I remember we closed that last week of March. Mm-hmm. 
and then we didn't reopen again until that first week of June. Yeah. And so that was that was definitely tough on all of us. Um, was that March? Hold on a minute. Yeah, yeah, that was March because we were we were battling going back and forth. Because I remember I went to Disneyland in February. Yeah. yeah this, <laughs> see, that, that just shows you the change. Like people knew about it, but it wasn't mm. like huge. You know, people weren't. I remember <laughs> I, I I feel like a like a horrible person now. My wife and I had this family sitting next to us. They had masks on. And this is at the time no one was wearing masks. Nobody in the US was wearing masks. And I was confused. I was I, me being the extrovert. I'm talking to the guy. <laughs> I, you know, cuz the and then he explained to me how his daughter had um respiratory issues and he they said the family didn't want to make her feel left out because they were also going to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. And guess who followed me on social media because of that? <laughs> his name was Fred. I remember his name. He That's followed awesome. me on social media after that day. And then I, cause I was giving him pointers about Disneyland. And, and he <laughs> runs the garage. I remember all that. It's hilarious. Anyway, so like we we were definitely not judging them for wearing a mask. But I was like, that's weird. Why are they wearing a mask? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. like. No, that that's just crazy how the mindset completely switched. It was February to March yeah. that they said, "Hey, everyone has to wear masks or you or stay home." Mm-hmm. Right? So that just blows my mind to, to like now to think about that. I don't even know why I was bringing that up. Oh, no, it was, I, the funny thing was, I was yeah. at Disneyland. I remember when you went because I think we went a week yeah. before Pippa and I went. Right, right, yeah. And when I remember picking her up at the airport when she flew in from London, and half the people were wearing masks, and you're just like, and they were all coming from from Asia. You know, China Airlines landed. And yes, yes. I was like, man, okay, this is kind of weird. You know, it's strange. Yeah. But now you're like, oh my god. But oh, now oh, in New gosh. Zealand, like we've had an outbreak this week. Everybody, people wearing masks now. It feels that weirdness again because yeah. sorry not to rub it in, but for the last four months, it's oh, been normal for me. You know, life's been normal yeah. down here. So yeah. So, anyways, I guess getting back to the zoos, <laughs> it definitely has impacted you guys. But it seems like there might be some positivity with zookeepers more engagement on social media with with the zoos right yes for instance for our zoo you know before i started working there the social media presence wasn't strong or almost non-existent right it just wasn't there really and then i started and then i was putting a little and i was putting more than what they had you know but i still had other things to do because we were still open at this point so i was still you know, doing the, their education, outreach duties, going to school, things like that. Um, but then when we closed, that's when we started. Um, uh, basically, I started the Zoo to You program. Um, and, you know, with in collaboration with a lot of the keepers and other staff members to bring daily live streams, uh, uh, videos, uh what do you call it? Edited videos mm-hmm. every week um, to keep people connected. And, you know, with these videos, Facebook has the option to uh, start up, you know, like you, they, you can donate money, you know, on these live sessions or on these videos. And that was something that that was one of the only ways we were getting income, so, you know, and wow. while we were at the time also trying to, cause we, you know, as a nonprofit, we aren't government funded, we are, you know, we we rely on entry from the from the visitors and the guests, and you know, me also wearing a uh, quote unquote fundraising hat. Mm-hmm. I had to try to figure that out too. 
Um, so I even did a, uh, we did a, I did a, hosted a drive-through event, uh, an adoption drive. I, we, I called it adoption drive. And uh, we basically were doing symbolic adoptions and these little package, little, little package things or stuff, stuffed animals, and they come pick them up and drive through. And that was in April and people were, it was, it was a big show out surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And people were nice. just telling us how much that they really missed the zoo. And thank you for making all these videos and keeping us connected. And people were bored at home. Mm-hmm. They were just absolutely bored, but scared of their minds to come out, which, you know, some people still are, which they have their rights to be, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's dangerous stuff going on right now. Um, anyways. Yeah. yeah. From a, from a mom perspective, I definitely loved like the lives. I was like, Oh, kids, it's four o'clock. The zoo is on live and they're doing this thing. And it was like a, an exciting time for them to inter, you know, interact with animals and me to be like, okay, you guys can be quiet for like five minutes, maybe if I'm lucky. So <laughs> yeah, it became this thing that I really look forward, forward to, uh, whether on a daily or weekly basis. And so I was a huge follower of several different lives yeah. at that point in time. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually pretty unfortunate that when we open back up, since we are a smaller zoo and we don't we didn't have, you know, a lot of our volunteer volunteers are at risk, uh, you know, mm-hmm. individuals. So we've had to have more staff, you know, man the grounds, you know, instead. So like myself at the time when we first opened back up, you know, we kind of had to, we basically had to stop doing zoo to use. But since we've getting back in a better place my director is putting a huge emphasis on starting those back up again because they have their importance and people keep asking daily about them, which makes me feel happy. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I was editing all those videos and I was definitely put, I, I definitely, again, the whole, not the, not the burnout, but I was exhausted. I was taking the work home with me. Cause I like, I prefer my computer at home <laughs> to edit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was definitely putting in the hours. Um, Burning the candle at both ends, as my grandmother would say. Um, <laughs> and I was tired, 100%. Yeah. I bet. Yep. But, but it is great that, again, you know, it's, you have to take something out of this, right? If, if, if we don't say take something out of this last year that's positive, you know, then what is it for? And it, you develop some systems that are very valuable for your zoo and engage the public and you got good feedback about that. And you have to be proud of that and happy about that, that you have a new way, a new tool for engaging the public, you know, and, and it is powerful and is important because as much as we love to engage guests on grounds, we can still only get so many guests on grounds. You can still only, you know, when there's weather or whatever, you, you still, People don't show up, but online, people will be available all the time. So it's this is a valuable thing, and it's a valuable tool to add to the very many things that the zoo is doing, the zoo industry is doing, your zoo is doing, and um, it's something that we're not going to get away from. Now, of course, as you've noticed and as you said, you know, it does take more resources and more time to do that as well. So we do have to balance that as well, but. I think it's important to look at this and say, you know, we got a lot of really new cool things that came out of this and new new ways to engage and get our message out, which ultimately that's the most important thing, how are we getting that message out. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's no question that this past year has been, you know, from the pandemic perspective has, has been 
life-changing and life-altering. But I think there's been a lot of other social stuff that's gone on this year, you know? And I mean, it's, it's almost like which story is the big story? Which story is the, is the larger story? Um, I think that a lot of this social movement when it comes to diversity and inclusion, I think it's really important. And, and, and I speak to this from, from the zoo industry from someone in the zoo profession that sees lots and lots of students. We have lots of students come to the program. Um, and I talk to the zoo industry a lot. And the reality is that in the zoo industry, we are not a diverse uh, industry. And I always like to say, hey, we're inclusive. We want everybody to come through the, zoo the door. We want everybody to learn about conservation and everybody to learn about animals. But the reality is when you look at the staffing and when you look at who's in the field, we, we don't reflect our own communities. We don't. And that's, that ultimately is a problem. It's a, it's a problem because why are people going to trust us? Why are people from all walks of life going to trust us as, as again, trusted sources of information if we don't reflect them? And so it's something that we are trying to do in our, our industry. Um, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, AZA, is, is pushing this idea of inclusion and diversity. And it's something that we are making, we are trying to make strides in. But the question is, how do, how do we do this? And, you know, my question, my, my statement is, I always feel like it's so hard for me to figure out what needs to be done, where, where to go and where can I open doors and where can I create more opportunities, you know? Yeah. And, so and I, I, go ahead. Oh, I'm just, that's it. I'm looking, okay. I'm looking for help. <laughs> I okay, need help. So I think, you know, first off, I want to say this. I definitely don't have all the answers. That is not my, you know, area of expertise. I just happen to be an African-American male in this field. Um, and definitely that one that is known, I've been alone. You know, I don't see much other people, many other people like myself. So, I then I focus on what I can what I can do as an individual. Um, you know, what I do is go, you know, like I'll try to push a little bit harder on visiting schools for talks that like like of areas that I grew up in, you know, you know, lesser um uh, represented areas, you know, like with you know with, with schools with less funding, you know, public schools, things like that, you know. Um be visible to those kids so they can see me, someone who looks just like them. They can see, hey, oh, he, what he's doing is cool. I wonder how he's doing that. I wonder how he got into that. You know, and I feel like it's all about accessibility as well for zoos. You know, zoos are definitely trying to be better at inclusion. I've, it's, it's been a huge push with the AZA, as you said, and all the committees are being formed and all this stuff. The conversations are starting to happen now, I've noticed, which is nice. Um, but I feel like as far as getting into the career of zookeeping, it's really tough because it's extremely expensive. Mm. School is expensive. Mm. Um, to get the experience to even become a zookeeper, it's expensive because you have to do a lot of free work. Most internships, you were spending 40 hours a week for free. So what, how, like what other time you have to really bust your butt or you have a lot of support from your family, but a lot of these families, a lot of the underrepresented families, you know, they can't support 
them, their family, and you know, double of of you know what what your what their kid is doing with forty hours a week of you know not being paid. So like like people like myself, I had to work three jobs, you know, and do my internship. And, you know, that, that, but I don't want people to have to do that. I know a lot of the older groups and zookeepers aren't going to want to hear this because a lot of those older people will say, well, I have to do that back in my days. So you got to do it too. Um, sorry, don't mind the accent. I don't no, know that was like perfect. the best it's impression perfect. of crotchety zookeeper yes i've met a lot of those in my day but i love them all i love, love them all. all i love them all like they all i learned a lot they taught me you learned, all you learned a lot i learned so them. much see here's the so other much. thing about that is too you know i wish we could figure this out zookeeping is 100 a job you learn on the job uh-huh. yes the 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 act of zookeeping but you they can't teach you animal behavior. You know, some of these basic things you do need to learn like on your own or in school. I mean, but, but I can't tell you that I went to school and learned about cheetah behavior. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. What like, I went to school in University of Washington. There's no cheetahs over here. <laughs> you know, like we we learned about, you know, we had wildlife research techniques class, which was really cool. We had bird ID, tree identification classes, which was great for me in the long run because I worked with a lot of animals locally, or excuse me, that in the zoo that would eat local browse. Giraffes love big leaf maple. Mm. Boom. Like how, like, anyways. <laughs> so it, I, I go on tangents. It's part of my, my ADHD. I go on tangents. Um, but that, that the focus should be on accessibility. Like if there is, you know, chances of having, of giving people more, you know, paid opportunities. I know it's tough for a zoo. I, I get that. I know it's tough, but, or lower your requirements to, to becoming a zookeeper. You know, maybe they don't need, you know, the, the four-year bachelor's of science degree. Maybe they don't need that, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe something a little less, maybe associates. I don't know. Maybe something mm-hmm. smaller, just because that job just, because I know, I feel like zoos do it because they want to see the dedication because schools takes dedication. So, I don't know. Don't well, I mean, it, I'm just saying the access. You make a good point too. Accessibility to education is is you know the, this new administration coming in is a big push. You know, coming from academia. Now I'm out of academia, um, and I can say this: these two can't because they're still in academia. But <laughs> it, it it's been a scam for a decade plus. It, as far as tuition going through the roof because budgets have been slashed to the bone. Colleges are 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 well. I. I mean, one of the, I think the interesting historical things about universities, especially, is they were flatlined for a long time. But once they started being money makers. put in debt, yeah. once you could take out loans to go, they just same thing with the housing market. They just go through the roof because you could just take a loan out for more money and not really thinking about the back end of like, yeah, I just. You know, well, I saw. I saw the University of Florida. The new deans, like how many new deans did they get? How many new vice presidents did they get? you know, two, $300,000 a year salaries, like, you know, to pay all that tuition went from very affordable to out of reach. So hopefully, you know, politically, there's some will to make education more accessible, but good point. Now, John, your program's only five semesters, so we can talk about how cheap, you know, the, this, oh, this is, this is where my blind date, yeah, I'm setting it up, set, yeah, setting up the yeah, pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, I wanted to, sorry, cut you off real quick, because I was thinking about it earlier. I would really love to 
host a live session with with uh, Santa Fe teaching mm -hmm. you about you know just just because people will find a lot of uh, that they will find that very cool <laughs> because they have questions right. of what they can do to become a zookeeper and you guys will have one potential answer well exactly what we're one answer we're one avenue we're one one approach right. but and exactly and that's what i love about again all of the industry doing this we're one way to do it and and again we it is a it's a it's a five semester program two years less than two years and it you get an associate of science degree that's all you need to be a zookeeper because we teach you the hands-on practical skills to be a zookeeper and you do them, you practice them, you implement them in an AZA accredited zoo. And that's what you need. You get two years of school, two years of experience all wrapped up together, which is what you need. I have a bachelor's degree in biology. Useless. Useless. Some zoos, some zoos. <laughs> unfortunately, I agree. I'm right there with you. I have my bachelor's is in wildlife conservation, but some schools require that you have or some zoos require that you have that bachelor's degree mm -hmm. right absolutely so yeah. you know most zoos and and i am kicking myself i'm punching myself i'm semi-hating myself because i didn't know about santa fe teaching zoo growing up i didn't absolutely. know about moore park uh okay. uh, uh edom the, the college and all that i didn't know about mm -hmm. all that i yep. i i wish i did because i i feel like i may have had a sh I'm not trying to take away from my experiences, but mm -hmm. I feel like maybe I could have had a shorter path road to getting to my destination. Everybody goes a different route and gets to where they need to be is the reality. You are where you need to be and you got yeah. there the way you need to get there. And exactly. it is what it is. It's just we we do. That's that's what I hope is. I hope to provide everybody an understanding of there is a a, a quicker way to do it and a more affordable way to do it a more direct way. And, and our research, our data shows from the job postings on AZA, about 25% of the postings, not necessarily zoos, but postings require, <laughs> require a bachelor's degree. So, you know, there is definitely a little bit of a loss there, but we have students that come into the program with a bachelor's degree. They have their bachelor's degree they come to us with a bachelor's degree and get an associate's afterwards, associate science degree, because it gives them the hands-on experience. Because even with a bachelor's degree, they can't get a job without an experience. It's just like you said, oh, you just have to do an internship or two, which is still the case. It's still the case in zoos. You have to do internships to get jobs. And, and as you pointed out, from, the, from an accessibility perspective, how do you do that? From an inclusive perspective, how do you do that? If you don't have the means to, like you said, how do you work a free forty-hour-a-week job essentially? If you have students, when you have student loans to pay, and you have student loans, yeah. you know, I, I, I was lucky. Um, I had full-ride scholarships, <laughs> and, and I there didn't you know. not everybody has that. Right? <laughs> not everybody has everybody that. Has but that. we, but we need, we need more of those. We need more of those. And you, you, you right. said it, and not to, you know, use your words, but. You said, hey, zoos need to do more paid internships. And I know it's hard to do paid internships because it costs money, but is this important or is it not important? Put your money where your mouth is. And I get it. Zoos don't have a lot of money. I, I live one. I, I, I run one. I know it. I know it. I'm married to one. Trust You're me. <laughs> here's, here's the best tip, kids. Yeah. 
marry rich. Okay. If you want to be a zookeeper, marry rich. That's your tip. You married the farmer's daughter. The farmer's daughter. John's tip of the day. But 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 seriously, but for a zoo to say, you know, we're we're for inclusion and diversity and we wanna we wanna expand. Put your money where your mouth is because a paid internship isn't that much money. Yeah. Isn't that much money. And again, I'm sitting on zoos aren't rolling it. I know they're not banking it. No one's making money there. But this is something I think the field needs to take on as an act, an active role. And, you know, and I appreciate, Jordan, you're saying, you know, you're not an expert. This isn't your field of expertise, but you do have perspective. And that's what I appreciate is you have that perspective. And that's what needs to happen is people with a perspective need to voice that perspective. Right. You you got a bachelor's degree, you got a zookeeper, and, and that's not the only way to become a zookeeper, but it is a one way to do it. And mm-hmm. it's a perspective that needs to be heard. Your perspective about your experience needs to be heard, especially by people that may want to get into the field. And as you say, they don't see anybody that looks like them in this field. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't see anybody that reflects them. Why, why would you feel welcome in a place where, you know, nobody looks like you? And so how do we do that? How do we give avenues? How do we open up areas? Um, And and that's what I'm looking to do. And I just, I appreciate you just telling your story, giving your perspective and, you know, giving us really giving a little bit of direction on maybe some things that zoos and aquariums can do to, to open this up a little bit. And I appreciate that. My pleasure. And yeah, just to add on to that a little bit, uh, Jordan, and I know you may or may not have the answers, but in the past year or in the future, what are, in your opinion, what are some other things the zoos could do to make communities feel, staff, communities, the public in general, feel more included and uh, feel more diverse? Are you seeing any 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 changes, whether it's via social media or marketing, uh, and if not, that's a, that's obviously the problem. And then I guess where should we go? And maybe that's uh, a different pod for a different day. But I just I feel like there's a lot of talk, and I, I just wondered if there's any action going on. So that definitely deserves its own episode. But you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's from me, but I, I have a couple couple comments. I mean, I'm, again, I don't know at all, uh, but. I think and what I noticed is ticket ticket prices for admission to the zoo. Um, you know, you got to remember it for a lot of these families. This is like a once in a lifetime, once every 10 years, you know, opportunity that they have a family of five or six and it costs $300 to get in somehow. Like, that's, I don't know. I mean, it, that's, that's definitely over, over exaggerating the price, but it's still a lot of money and it's, it's, I don't know if they could figure something out for, you know, passing out. I don't know. It's, it's really, that that's a really tough question. I have noticed with, for me, at least I have noticed with my representation on social media, I have seen a huge influx of, you know, more African-American, Asian, Hispanic, everybody i've noticed a big chunk of you know diverse people telling me how much they love animals you know telling me how much they want to become a zookeeper all these different things you know and it's not something i would see normally like you don't see those comments on your average zoo post i feel but it's because they're talking about animals and not about zookeepers so they're not talking about 
you know, really the job as much. But when you do, when they do post those posts, when zoos do post those posts, you will see a change. And people say, oh my gosh, I wish I could do this someday. How do I do this? What do I do? You know, and and when zoos like, uh, or aquariums, even um, my friend Amanda, Amanda Hodo works at an aquarium, um, moat, moat aquarium, you guys know moat? Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. yeah, whenever she's on there. Everything great is in Florida. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> That's not how I hear it. <laughs> I hear that a little differently. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, Disney World is there. You guys got yeah. I know. Anyways, um, but when whenever they post her, she's an African American aquarist uh, or marine. Uh, marine. Oh gosh, I always forget her title. But she 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 goes in there and she works with works with uh, the aquatic life basically. And whenever she scuba dives or something, people see her and all the little. Little, little African-American girls are posting, oh my gosh, I want to be like her, mm-hmm. a real life mermaid, all these different things, you know, it's yeah. like representation matters. And if people, if zoos put those faces on social media, I know they have to find those faces, they have to get those faces. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. some zoos are doing now with the movements that was happening last year, you mm-hmm. know, with, uh, you know, with just, you know, um, you know, what am I thinking? What's the word? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking now. It was huge, a huge, it's been um, Black Lives Matter with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, a lot of zoos have been standing with, you know, African-American people and have been showing, showing them love on their platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, even just a story, an Instagram, an IG story that's saying something. I know a lot of zoos don't want to tarnish their, their beautiful timeline of how pretty it looks and their aesthetics you know, because that's 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 the that's the design background. No offense to design background. My wife is a graphic designer. I know how it is, which is why I mentioned it. So I know about it. Because I know all about it. You can, it's funny because you can go to my page. It is not aesthetic. I, I, it's all over the place. So crazy. when they post, you know, anything, they don't have to like these people don't have don't have to work at that zoo. If they just mention it, if they just bring it to attention. Yes, there will be backlash from some folks because those folks haven't accepted change. Mm-hmm. Reed Park Zoo just all month has been showcasing a lot of African-American individuals in the STEM community, not just zookeepers. And they've mm-hmm. been posting a lot of it. They posted mm-hmm. me the other day. And I can tell you this, I shared it. Let me tell you this. I shared it. And I look at the insights of my posts because that's I care about analytics and I want to see what things are doing. I have never had a post be hidden more than that one from Reed Park. Ooh. People can choose to hide this post or hide all posts. Stop people on my it. page, people are hiding that post because they they want me to shut up and talk about animals. Yeah. You know, that's all they care about. They don't like. They didn't care at first that I was black while I'm talking about animals, but as soon as I mentioned that I'm black, yeah, you know, some people have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. So you will find those people, and they don't belong on my page if that's how they mm-hmm. feel. But mm-hmm. I try. I don't take them. I don't take it negatively. I really try to reach out to these people and say, "Hey, you know, I'm very. You guys should see me on social media. I am. I only recently discovered the block button because I had to." You know, I don't like blo- I don't yeah. like blocking people. I don't. No, I like you're to- very inter- you're really in- interactive. I try we, to be. We, we did get a, a, a pretty negative review because we brought politics in. Remember, <laughs> me and Angie were laughing. Oh my is- gosh, 
Yes. Politics. Listen. I, oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry. You you put me. You you set me going. You got me going, Chris. That's it's all you. I love it. You got me going. So I posted. What did I share? I shared. I made a Bernie meme, a Bernie Sanders meme, with with. Uh, yeah. I, I, I made it for the zoo and I posted it on my page. It's it was Bernie and his little his, his yeah, little hand yeah. warmers, yeah, and yeah. I put him in our wallaby's pouch because our wallaby just gave birth to a Joey. <laughs> so, I love it. She That's just genius. gave birth to a Joey. So it was a it was a big deal. Perfect. Like, yeah. And in my head, that meme was just a just a guy that wanted to be warm. I didn't right. think about politics at all when I and my my director allowed. And everybody was doing it. Everyone was doing it, but I'm not that also I'm not that kind of guy to do it when everybody else is doing it. I'm not really that kind of guy, but I'm trying to get the zoo yeah. noticed. Right. Okay. So I posted that. This guy messaged me and says, Hey, if you post anything politics again, I'm out of here. Politics <laughs> again, I'm out of here. Don't do it. I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> like he aggressively yeah. came came at me, gave me an ultimatum. I said, Oh. I calmly, I said, that wasn't politics. That was just the guy being warm. He said, well, don't do it again. I said, well, I could, <laughs> okay. In my calm, in my nice voice, I said, uh, I typed, this is my page and I do what I want with it. And if you don't like it, you can leave. He said, well, I will, if you post again. I said, well, you know what? I don't really want you here anymore. Just go. So yeah. that's what I told him. I said, you know what? You're making me feel uncomfortable. Just leave my page. Go ahead. He said, Okay. And he had followed me. So I'm fine with that, whatever. I don't understand why people can't just have fun. My page is all about fun. Mm-hmm. I don't bring politics. I don't, that's, that's just not my, that's just not what I'm thinking about. Cause that's so much negativity going on in the political world. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. We have to sometimes. Yes. It's controversial. But again, exactly. Yeah. So tangent done. No, no, no. It's yeah. Good. Well, no, good for you because yeah, we had one on on, on our, an iTunes review, and I was like, "Eh, I'd rather be myself and talk about issues that are important to wildlife." And it is a little political. There's clearly politicians yes. that care about nature and wildlife, and ones that aggressively don't. How do you guys shrug it off so easily? Out of just out of you two guys, how do you guys? How do you take? How do you guys not take it personally? I do, and then I talk to Chris, and he tells me not to. And John, <laughs> uh, but you got, yeah. you, you've got. I learned this long ago as a professor. You know, when I was in academia, ten, my and my old professor told me that she's like, Chris, 20 percent, ten to fifteen percent of your students will hate you no matter what you do, no matter what you do, how good you are. I was teacher of the year at UF. I got plenty of awards. I was always like a five star instructor, but those ten percent sometimes really got to me because I'd always go and read my reviews. Like, how could I be better? But I got to the point where it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. It's not about me. It's about them. When 90% of the people love you and love what you do, love what you post, they love the podcast. They love your, your content, that 10% or 20%, whatever it is, like especially politics, you'll never get to them. And so that's not your Mm -hmm. tribe. They don't matter. So that one star review, thank you. Me and Angie had a good laugh. We will after I cried, but yes. No. Oh no. But, we I didn't will. Cry. but you know, when you oh. have five hundred five star reviews and you get the one one star, yeah, okay. Yeah. Somebody had an axe to grind, the politics, you know, da, 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 you know, they, they didn't get what we were talking about. Like you said, they don't belong, they don't belong on our page, they don't belong on our podcast. Go listen to another one. You know, I'm sorry we couldn't reach you, but 
Yeah. I even apologize. I apologize to him. I said, I'm sorry. I don't fit what you need. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just, you know, I said, I'm sorry. You, I just, just, you can't, you can't please everybody all the time. And that's it. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's, and there's, a, you know, it's bell curve. There's a lot of data to support. No, I, I agree. You're never going to get everybody. And it's just, it is what it is. And you just have to, you, you as a, as somebody who always strives for better improvement and, and to do really well, you have to let something go. And that's, yeah. that's something you should learn to let go. Yeah. And for one bad apple, there's tons of other ones that want the content, want to engage and learn about animals, want to laugh. Uh, I love your positivity and your energy, uh, your lives, everything that you do, your page, your interactions. And so especially one of my ultimate goals of this podcast today is to help drive our listeners to your different social media accounts. So if you wouldn't mind, Jordan, telling us what's the best, what's your handle? Uh, You said you're not very active on Twitter, but I know you're on Facebook, Instagram. You have done some podcasting. You do live videos. What's the (laughs) best way for our listeners or users to find you and fall madly in love with your content and give you five stars and not be... Not the one. Yeah, the one. one. (laughs) Um. Well, everyone, you guys can find me at JungleJordan23 on literally every platform there is. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, but don't find me there. Um, (laughs) So Facebook, Instagram. I am pausing YouTube right now for the most part because of the Facebook program I was accepted into. Um, Conversation for another time, unless you guys want to hear it real quick. Um, Okay, I was accepted into uh, this Black creator program for Facebook called We The Culture. And it's so since Facebook owns Instagram, um, you know, it's I everything I post video wise uh, for Facebook and Instagram, it can only be there as far mm. as like, the ones that are being included in the program, because mm. I can do other stuff. You know, I can post videos to, to Instagram um, and on YouTube, but it can't be considered a part of the program. Mm. So it's weird. It's a whole thing. It's a big deal. And uh, you'll hear you'll be hearing about it in the future, I'm sure. Awesome. Uh, it's cool. a huge so. deal. So thank you, Facebook. Um, and uh, I'm on TikTok, kids. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah, good yeah, for you. You yeah, made yeah. the plunge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We haven't done I, uh, it yet. Darn it. Let me tell you this, though. The reason why I joined is because I was reached out to by um, this company that was speaking for TikTok um, for the for the Learn on TikTok initiative, the Creator Learning Fund. I was in that last year and I did it and I was burnt out and I was done. So I went from June to August <laughs> and or yeah, June to August. And then um I did really well on there and then I just kind of stopped. And I only recently, within the last two weeks, have I made an appearance back on there. It's tough mm-hmm. for me to keep appearances on there. Yeah. So Jungle Jordan 23, you guys. Yeah. All right. Well, th- I, this is, I mean, this this totally went in a new direction, but it's amazing. It, it, it's, <laughs> I, I think we're going to do this like in once, an awesome direction. Chicken. This is we're actually gonna we're gonna stop recording and then we're gonna actually hang out. Um, <laughs> I, I was gonna say we're gonna get some drinks, but I'm pregnant. I can't drink. Right. Darn it! Right. Uh, I will live up. vicariously for you guys. Uh, we'll go off air, or or we can do this again in some time and regroup as well and talk about some of these other Issues. forbidden fruits, if you will. Um, <laughs> it's always it's just always such a pleasure, Jordan, hearing 
about your passion and everything you're doing. You're working your tail off, buddy. I love following you. And um, I love all of your stuff. It's it, it's very engaging from my point of view. And I know a lot of your followers do appreciate it. And Chris and I are both podcasters and I know it can be tiring uh, to get new media and content out there, but yes. Oh, podcast. Oh yeah. Podcast. Oh yeah. Tell me uh, about yeah. the podcast. It's uh, not that it's a, it's a it's, lot. Um, a podcast called into the jungle. It's a podcast mm-hmm. with my wife and I, but this podcast isn't really always about animals. It's about life and stuff, but we kind of gone on a hiatus when COVID started. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So, but season two is on the way. We're, we're calling that first season where we just stopped a season one. So kind of just abruptly, abruptly, abruptly ended. So season two. On well, the you're, um, according to John, he's always fun, filled with fun facts. He came home last night and told me that one year with your partner in COVID is equal to four years. <laughs> and so you and wow. your lovely wife are going to have a lot of content to catch up on. Well, and, sure we will. I wasn't so, really around. Luckily, I was at work. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John said the same thing. He had to work through the whole pandemic. He's like, I mean, sorry, honey, I've got to go to work. Somebody's got to take care of these animals. Yeah, somebody has to. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thank you guys again for having me. This was no, awesome. Thank, yeah. This thanks for great. coming. Thanks for coming on. And John, thanks for thanks for coming in too with your perspective. But fascinating it's just yeah we're gonna have to do this again this is this is amazing sure. so take care yeah it was a it was a blast i appreciate it thanks guys thanks for hanging out and i yeah i will definitely send a jordan and john i will connect you through emails so you guys can Good. see if this relationship continues or not it will cool. for sure our yeah, guest and, uh, he likes he likes long walks on the beach and uh, yeah and star wars star wars, and star wars. Good. yep and yeah, we're good what more do you need what more do you need awesome jungle jordan 23 thank you so much we'll put all of your information up on our show notes for our listeners links to uh your different social media feeds and i just really appreciate your time buddy appreciate what you're doing and i look forward to the next time we get to chat